Hello team, welcome to Troubleshooters Corner, your place for leadership and crisis management tips for troubleshooters like you, with skin in the game and the need to make a difference. Podcast 12 today, How Identity Telegraphs Competence. Now question, why does it seem that people who identify a certain way tend to give you a preview of how good they really are going to be at their job, trade, or profession? For the answer, come with me on a thought experiment that speculates that there is a certain migration path most people follow in developing the identities that they present to the world, and that if you pay attention to what they are emphasizing the most, you will get a sneak preview of how good a given individual will end up being on the job. Bottom line up front, people start out identifying themselves by whatever circumstances accompanied them from birth. Next, they take on an identity based on whatever credentials they may have acquired. Finally, they face a higher identity that is based on what they actually do. If you pay attention to which of these identities someone emphasizes the most, you'll know whether you're dealing with a superstar, a mediocrity, or a loser. Now, stick to the end for the whole story and some keepers. But let's begin with those three identities and their natural migration path. We're all born with unique circumstances and immutable characteristics. Some are immediately obvious. Others are more subtle. Some help us move forward. Others hold us back. As we move along in life and figure out what we will do to make our place in the world, we tend to accumulate some credentials. Now, these can take the form of licenses, certifications, degrees, and other external forms of validation that announce to the world that we have acquired certain skills and are considered qualified to practice them more than just any amateur hobbyist. Whether it is as a welder, farmer, physicist, or doctor, the appropriate credential serves as a source of legitimacy. Often, it is the price of admission into a given field. You don't get to work in that area if you haven't earned the right, earned the right credentials. You know, at the same time, just having credentials by no means guarantees competence. The world is full of people who have managed to pass tests but failed to demonstrate that they really possess the level of expertise to which they lay claim. This brings us to the third category on this migration path, which is the prominence of the genuine achievers of this world. You know them because they are the ones people turn to when they need to get things done. Why? Usually it's because they have a track record, a verifiable verifiable record of accomplishments that's to their credit. And these are not lightweight accomplishments like signing up for, for a committee or adding their support to a lofty cause or engaging in self promotion under the banner of raising awareness about something that is popularly considered to be commendable. The real achievers 
are good and know it without having to advertise all the time. By the same token, however, they also tend to root their identity in their accomplishments. Why? First, because they have some. <laughs> they have real accomplishments under their belt. Second, because when they look around, deciding where they want to be and whom they want to associate with, guess what? They're more interested in dealing with other achievers rather than people who talk a big game but never quite point to having actually done something useful that an objective observer can kick and count. So what is the emerging pattern to discern? The achievers who possess first-rate competence have accomplishments to point at and to use to inform their next challenge. So a major part of how they identify is in what they do, what they accomplish. Next down the hierarchy come the credentialed underachievers. Think of them as mediocrities who can point at a school or qualification in their background, but short, but they keep falling short of being able to summon actual accomplishments to their credit. These people are forever emphasizing their credentials and boasting about what they should be able to do if only they had a chance. They brag about where they've been, yet somehow that bragging stops when it comes to a question of what they've actually done. Finally, lowest on the list are the ones who can find nothing to be proud of that connects with either achievement or even qualification. What's left for these people? other than to regress to the point of emphasizing their basic identity. And this is what they do to the exclusion of other areas where they have no notches on their belts. So often you recognize them by another tell. What's that? It's a giant chip on the shoulder. Loud resentment tends to drown out whispers of ineptitude. They know that intuitively. So what are some keepers to take away with from this snapshot of human value? and nature, and human nature. Number one, how people identify can be complicated, but observing where they place the greatest emphasis in how they identify can be very revealing. It's very revealing not only about their past, but about their future competence. Number two, people who place undue emphasis on basic identity that relates to immutable unearned characteristics may well be concealing but they don't have a whole lot of accomplishments to their credit and and they have even less interest in gaining more. They may be resorting to grudges as an antidote to career disappointment. Keeper number three. Achievers don't have to hide their other identities. They just ease into placing greater emphasis on what they do, have done, and can do. And they look for similar qualities in people they consider their peers, the people they want to be with, or work with, or enjoy dealing with. So, the colleague asks, how can I use this, and what good is it to me on the job? Well, think of it as a new screening tool. Increasingly, employers are finding themselves caught in the undertow of new policies that are hamstringing their hiring managers and preventing them from doing traditional vetting practices. No longer is traditional due diligence in fashion. Thus, you may not be allowed to take into account criminal convictions or even have visibility into a candidate's employee's uh, bad performance for the previous employer. 
Worse still, some organizations are taking the teeth out of new employee probation periods, making it harder and harder to get rid of rotten apples before they spoil the barrel. What they don't do, or at least not yet, is they don't deny you a chance to still use your best judgment. And sometimes this judgment is informed the old-fashioned way by listening to what the applicant has to say about self and personal priorities. Often these days, applicants themselves reveal, reveal more than ever before just directly and via their publicly accessible social media posts. People are no longer shy about telling you exactly where they're coming from. And that includes telling you what their real priorities in life are. The thing to do with these sources of freely volunteered information is to look for where the applicant is placing relative emphasis on the kinds of identity we've been discussing. People who are genuinely competent are proud of it. They're eager to share achievements, at least in face-to-face interviews. If not, they may fall back to undue emphasis on who they are rather than on what they have done. This should be an important clue for you to explore further. Another colleague asks, does all this mean I should no longer take pride in my roots or other aspects of what I think of as my birthright? Do I have to hide all that? Answer, of course not. The lesson to derive here in a word is proportionality. In other words, adapt, adopt a larger perspective. The world isn't just about you. Therefore, not everybody needs full-time or daily reminders of your personal trials and tragedies. Guess what? There are plenty of those to go around for everybody. A little personal restraint here serves as an acknowledgement that the world does not revolve solely around you. And besides, if your baseline identity becomes your only subject, you soon become the only one who, who never loses interest in this subject. That's not that interesting to everybody else. And finally, another colleague asks, what if I really don't have anything else? <laughs> what if I'm just too green, too new in my career or organization to be able to stack up accomplishments to my credit? Well then, the answer here is not to fill the gap just for the sake of having something to say. Your better move is to hold your fire, take careful aim, and concentrate on knocking out some genuine accomplishments that no one else can deny. Then, metaphorically, you get to hang it on the wall because you're the one who shot it, where the it is a big problem or challenge. Once this happens, you won't be inclined to go back. Why? Because now you've ascended to the next level. Now you're a doer, a problem solver, a troubleshooter. And now you've earned an identity that commands respect. Till the next time, stay watchful troubleshooters, but never be afraid of taking a calculated risk.